Welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. I'm your host, Chris Palmore, founder of GratitudeSpace.com. My sincere thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating this podcast. Well, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Chris with Gratitude Space and uh, Radio, and this is a Gratitude Friday episode. I've got my friend Curtis that I believe is in Florida right now. Yes, I am in Florida. I'm in uh, or- the Orlando area. How, how, how are you doing there, Curtis? How, how, it's, been, uh, it's been two weeks, I think, since we've, uh, we've done a little face-to-face here. So how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I got back from L.A., last night and um uh doing a quick turnaround here in um Oviedo which is where my spot is here in Florida um and we are headed to Mississippi for the holidays tomorrow for a week and you know hopefully all goes well with COVID and travel and I've traveled a significant amount during all of this um and delta airlines has been really good about distancing on the plane i didn't have very favorable experiences with a couple of other airlines over the summer but i mean it's uh it sucks i was just looking at uh i just got a little news whatever the news ticker is that comes across and la is doing a mandatory curfew starting at um starting at 10 p.m. to like 5 a.m. or something. So I think everything is about to start locking back down, which, you know, it's just where we're at right now. Yeah, I know. I understand, man. I got my wedding coming up next week and um, we were having plans, you know, reception plans. And uh, the the, uh, the governor's kind of put a uh, no indoor eating um, at restaurants. So that kind of puts a little that's OK. Be flexible. You know, fortunately, uh, the wedding's not about the reception. You know, it's about the wedding. So. It'll be okay. So, you know, we were, um, we were talking about doing a, uh, you know, and I just talking to people possibly if they have any ideas and share any, uh, any ideas for sobriety over the holidays. Do you, do you have any, uh, do you have any tips to start us off? Anything that you recommend people yeah, out I mean, there in the world? Like the, you know, the, the idea here is, is that the holidays are, are really triggering for a lot of people that are in recovery, like it's talked about in um, multiple fellowships frequently. And um, it's just kind of a known thing that like, you know, family triggers us and, um, you know, the holidays, everybody's partying. And um, it's just, it's a tough time to be sober for sure. But, you know, there's ways around it and there's ways to kind of like safeguard yourself or not really safeguard yourself. There's ways to use tools to avoid, you know, or being able to work with your triggers. And um, I don't know, man, for me, before I got sober, the holidays were always just like raging partying. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, like absurd drug use and alcohol consumption to the point that it would make me worthless for to even be home like i'd be i'd sleep all day during thanksgiving or i'd still be fucked up from the night before or i wouldn't sleep the night before or i would almost get arrested or i would you know 
fucking smoke crack like all night or something just crazy shit like i remember I, I can't remember it was one of the years one of the first years i was gone from home and i came home from uh um came home for i think it was thanksgiving which i think like it's pretty well known that the Wednesday before Thanksgiving isn't it always like the biggest party night of the year. Essentially, it's like the best. It's like the biggest night um, that bars have every year is the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Hmm. So we, uh, one of those nights, like I've, I've, I've really gotten so lucky so many times. There was a roadblock one of those nights when we were out late, and I had a bunch of drugs on me and money and all kind of shit and. Um, I, uh, we come up on the roadblock and fortunately I had everything in like this little bitty bag. Um, mm. so I was able to like throw all these drugs out the window and all this money was in there. And, uh, we went through the roadblock, got through it. Um, some the, our friends that were behind us got arrested, had to sit in jail all Thanksgiving. So, uh, went back the next day and like that bag was still on the side of the road. And Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I got the drugs <laughs> back, I got the money back, which at the time I was like, hell yeah, but you know. Like a holiday was, miracle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I know it's tough for families. I know it was tough for my family, for me during those years to like, I know that they were super anxious when I would come home because they, they knew that they knew the drill. It was usually for a long time, it was stay up all night, stay out all night and then sleep all day and then do whatever the, the, for the duration of the trip. And it just, it, you know, it was, I was sick and it wasn't fair to them. And it was, um, it, it's, it was terrifying as a parent. I'm sure it's just, I can't imagine like, um, going through that with my kids, which, you know, having the genetic aspect of this, the disease it's, um, you know, it's likely that they will experience it in some form or fashion. So I try to like keep the conversation open and, um, you know, let them know what I've been through and what other people in their family have been through. And that it's okay if things come up and just to like talk to me about it and, um, just try to, uh, give them a safe space to address it when, if, and when it does come up. I, uh, I talked to a friend earlier that I'd helped get sober a few times and he's back in recovery and he's like got like a hundred and 120 days or something. And I, mm-hmm. I reached out to him today and talked to him in a while and he's just like, yeah, dude, my brother died on Friday, like mm-hmm. from something like from complications related to the disease of alcoholism or drug addiction. And I was just like, oh my God. And I have a relationship with his mom too, just because like, through helping him, we'd become close. And, um, you know, I just texted her, like, I don't even, I don't even know what to say, um, in those situations, but you know, you hear over and over and I, I, I assume my parents watch this, um, podcast or listen to it. So some of this stuff is definitely probably hard for them to hear because mm-hmm. they've expressed to me like that things are hard for them to hear that I talk about a good bit, but mm-hmm. you know, you hear all the time that burying a kid is like the, the hardest thing that you'll ever go through. And it was just, it was an intense day. And I, I don't know in those situations, you know, what do you say? It's like, 
what I always say. It's like, how can I, how can I be supportive? Right. And again, that, that comes back to like, okay, now that trigger is going to exist during the Thanksgiving holidays every year. And there's so many instances like that, that are, every family has, you know, like people are, you know, whether it be drug related or not, people die all the time. And, um, there's, a. Uh, you know, it's just what we have to deal with. We have to deal with the grief. But um, for me in recovery, like what I, you know, what helps me the most is um, my uh, my daily spiritual practice, which involves, you know, a 12 step program. It involves the things that are included in that program that uh, that are like the guidelines to, and I have to like, I have to be vague here because there's a, there's some principles mm -hmm. involved that don't allow me to right. address it directly. Um, but it's all about like sticking to that and like asking for help when I need, need it and not like internalizing my struggles, whether it be triggers or uh, whatever the case may be and reaching out to other alcoholics or going to 12 step meetings or making phone calls to people that have less time than me or making phone calls to people that have more time than me. It's all about really, it's about connection and, um, doing like what's, you know, what's called contrary action. So it's like, it's like today I was, um, I had like a, like I said, it was an intense day and I was slow. Get, I was slow, slow getting going today. Um, after I got, the kids to school or actually I just had Sophia, not Curtis. Um, I came back and just laid around because I'm a little jet lag going from East coast to West coast is tough. And I wasn't going to go to my meeting today, but it's in those, those moments. And you'll hear this from people that participate in these, these 12 step things. It's like, if you don't think you need a meeting, that's exactly <laughs> when you need to go to a meeting. It's called having smart feet. So I, uh, I didn't, I really didn't want to go. And it was at five 30, and it got up to like 518 and I still hadn't showered and it's super close. So it's, mm -hmm. it's fine. But I jumped in the shower, made it there, got to the meeting. And every time I do that, I'm like, God, why, what was I thinking? Not wanting to come to this because it's um, so therapeutic and there's such a like catharsis involved in that for me that it, I always feel better. And um, a lot of bigger cities, uh, have on holidays like on thanksgiving or on christmas day we'll do like round the clock meetings like 24 mm -hmm. hours of meetings 1 a.m to 11 11 p.m so that's um you know Smart. that's really helpful for people that are triggered and like you know or if if you're early if you're early in your recovery like more than likely your family is going to be super anxious when you're coming home for the holidays because they in the past have um dealt with so much like chaos and concern and worry and you know arrests or you being sick or um you know fights with the family that are you know exaggerated or not exaggerated fights in the family that um are worse because of you know my ability my inability to communicate um effectively because you know when we're in our disease we just don't have the tools like i didn't mm -hmm. learn healthy communication until i got sober 
and it's really been one of the uh, greater, you know, greater successes for me of my recovery. It's just like learning how to communicate, and I still struggle with it sometimes. And I, I'm not anywhere close to perfect with it, but I'm way better than I was, and I'm able to pause when agitated, or I'm able to, um, you know, kind of identify my feelings more and work through them rather than just react and scream at my family or eat a handful of pills or chug a fifth of whiskey or both actually at the same time. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough and it's just, it's really important going into the holidays for me to, you know, have a support system in place and to have the numbers handy or to at least, uh, have some accountability buddies or, um, you know, the people in the program that help me just to be able to reach out when I need to, because, you know, things come up, even when things are perfect, something's going to come up and right. it's, uh, you never know when you're going to be triggered. And this is like high risk, high risk trigger time for most of us in in recovery. So yeah, it's, uh, it's tough man. They're just the holidays have always just been, it was, it was a lot of fun for a long time. Um, but that's not saying that I wasn't doing copious amounts of drugs and alcohol. I definitely was, but it was like mm -hmm. what they say. It's like, at first it was fun. Then it was fun with problems. And then it just became problems. So it was like fun in my early twenties, mid, yeah, I guess it was fun in my early twenties. Then it was fun and pro fun with problems from about mid twenties till, you know, late 20s then it was just problems until i got sober at 33 so yeah it's um it's cool though because it's really my drug addiction and alcoholism just fucked everyone else's holidays up you know like the whole families because it's just like i couldn't get my shit together and i didn't really think that i needed to and um you know when you're when i am you know, eating pills all the time. I don't even care. I can't even, I don't even have the awareness to know that I'm belligerent or um, not present or whatever the case may be. But yeah, a lot of people relapse during the holidays. A lot of people, um, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a tough time. It's probably the toughest time of the year. And especially um, given what we're dealing with now and, um, everyone's been cooped up and everyone's about to be cooped up again. And it's just, it's really tough and it's, it's super triggering. And every, you guys, the fortunate ones that can still, you know, drink and do drugs responsibly, get to do all you want to do. And I'm not saying that you drink and do drugs, but there are yeah. plenty of people that do that their lives don't become unmanageable. We call them normies. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> For us that can't do them responsibly and for us that it does make our life completely unmanageable, it's just until we have this like psychic change or this spiritual awakening that's like this shift in our perce perception as as it pertains to the obsession to drink and use, um, you know, people in early recovery that may not have experienced that yet are still like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And if there's like, drinks everywhere or people are smoking herb or doing whatever else people are uh doing you know 
Um, it's just, it's tough and it's just easy. All it takes is like just reaching out your hand and like grabbing a joint or taking mm-hmm. a drink or doing, you know, again, I don't want to talk too much about hard drugs, but it's definitely prevalent and it's definitely, um, um, uh, something that I'm very, very familiar with because it was lots of hard drugs for a long time. And I'm just super, super grateful that I, I don't have to deal with that anymore, but I'm just like, I'm as close to doing it again as anyone else, you know, but I maintain this daily practice that, um, gives me this daily reprieve and I've had the psychic change and the shift in perception that I don't have the obsession to drink and use anymore and I can be around it and it's not a big Mm -hmm. deal. That's, that's not the case with everyone. Um, some people have to remove themselves from it for, for extended periods of time, sometimes maybe forever. Like I, I have people that I know that don't like to be around drugs and alcohol at all. Really. That's not me. Um, I'm completely okay being around it. And I know what, uh, I know where it goes if I do start doing drugs or drinking again. So um, it's a, it's a no brainer, but that being said, the disease is so insidious that I can sit here and tell you all this now, but if I get out of my, my, my practice, my daily practice, like it'll start to seem like, Oh, maybe I could start just drinking again, or maybe I could start just um, smoking herb or, maybe I could just take LSD and not do any of that stuff. Or maybe I've never really, I, I remember being in, in rehab. This is insane. Um, one of the few things I do remember that I was like, all right, I think I told my, um, my, one of the people counselors or therapists or some something, I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll just blow one line of meth a day and that'll get me through the day and I'll be okay with just one line of meth. Or, um, and that's just insane behavior, completely insane. I think we're getting some questions. Maybe I'm going to look at this real quick. Let's see. Yeah. It says it's Max bird said uh, big, he was agreeing that the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving is the big party night. And then you have a friend named Connie Lord that was said that love you, Kurt there. Do you see that? Yeah. Let's see. One thing we've been discussing in my, it's ways to intervene on substance abuse before a user hits rock bottom, causing long-term damage, not only to themselves, but people around them, family members, particularly children. Um, I don't know if you're still on here, Connor, but I don't know what the question is there. Um, or is that just a comment? Uh, maybe yeah, it's just so. making a statement. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. And Birdie agreed with it being the biggest bar night of the year. Um, I, I'm not sure. I can't tell who is currently on here, but, I love you guys both and you're awesome. Uh, it says my mom's watching, so she's probably like biting her fingernails right now because we're, we're headed there tomorrow, but she's, uh, you know, I think she's, I think she is pretty confident at this point that, um, I'm pretty solid in my sobriety. So that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you're how many It's five, almost six years. Sober, is that correct? Yeah, it'll be six years in March. Yeah, so she's got she's got a lot of reasons to believe that uh, you guys are going to have a great holiday, man. You know, Um, that's great that you got to get to be at the family and you're going to go see them. And um, you know, I've known you for I guess three months now, and you know, you're going to be with your family. You're going to appreciate being there, and you you got that perspective you're talking about. So 
and you, um, like you said, you, you've got all the, the tools in your toolbox so that you know if something occurs, you can go to a meeting or you can contact somebody. But I mean, you, you seem like you really appreciate your family. So I, I, I imagine focusing on just being with your family can keep you in a pretty good state, especially say on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, I do. Um, and it looks like my mom just actually chimed in with a question. Uh, that's my, uh, do, do you see? Oh, that? wow. Yeah. She said, Kurt, do you remember knowing? Yes, I do. There we go. Prior to abusing alcohol and drugs or, or not until well into your recovery. Um, I don't remember. I, I don't remember because I don't remember. And mom, you know, this, like my story with benzos, it's like, I, I, there's a lot that I just don't remember. I'm sure that I was grateful a lot of the time, but I think a lot of it was um, drug induced. Like I know that if I was, you know, eating a bunch of opiates or doing a bunch of opiates that I probably felt super grateful. Or if I had the right cocktail of pills and alcohol in my system, I definitely felt grateful. Um, but no, I don't really remember any kind of like, any pure sense of gratitude. I wish that I could say differently, but I, I don't. Do you, do, Mom, do you remember me having any gratitude prior to, what did, how do you put it, drugs and alcohol or not well into my recovery? And uh, I, I don't know if you're still listening, Mom, but if you want to answer, if you have any little anecdotes or anything to that effect, that's completely rad and awesome to respond again. Ironically enough, when I well, was we're, we're about over, 30 seconds ahead, you know, the live stream is 30 seconds, 30 seconds ahead. So she'll hear that here in the next minute. Go ahead. Were you saying? Ironically enough, and um, I will at some point, I really want to get him on here. Uh, so I spent a couple months, like a little over two months in a 30 day program in Oxford because my really extended um, detox just due to like severe DTs from alcohol and the, uh, withdrawal from benzos, which is like super, really, really dangerous. And I was having like some severe psychosis and hallucinations and delusions and, um, hallucinations and anyway, and some kind of like sleep disorder from Coke and meth. But I, uh, it took me twice as long to get through that. And then I went to, uh, um, so we're living in Oxford. So that's 40, that's four months. And that, so I moved to LA at that point and I lived in a sober living called gratitude recovery, ironically enough. And, um, Oh yeah, I don't think I've ever told you that. I nice. Keep, I keep thinking to tell you. No, you hadn't. I remember that. I haven't. Um, but yeah, um, Kelly and Annette Seidlitz are the owners there. And, um, I would love to, you know, maybe get them on here one day because they're really, really awesome and really smart and really um, caring people and really helped me early on. And I uh, give them a lot of, uh, a lot of credit for my success earlier in um, recovery, just because they provided a space for me to heal and to grow in my sobriety. And um, it was just, it was super cool. That, they sound amazing. I'd love to have them on the podcast. It sounds like it, be, uh, we could learn a lot from them. And they, it'd be great to hear their perspective of meeting you there, you know. And Curtis at that time, you know, 
the whole retrospective who Curtis was at that time when he was there and, you know, here, here with you, you know, you being here. Um, I wanted to speak to you. I, I liked your mom's question a lot. And in this last week, I actually had somebody ask me, what's the difference between being thankful and uh, being grateful? And I hadn't given that too much thought before, but honestly, um, being thankful is, is kind of, it's, it's an action of being, if you have gratitude, then you'd be being thankful to somebody. It's like an action, but also, so basically, even if it's for bad stuff, right? So for instance, you could be very thankful for the dope you have, right? It's not a healthy thing, but you could be thankful for it. You could technically be grateful you had it. I don't know if, obviously, it's not a, it's not beneficial to you, just like, you know, I don't yeah. like anything else, but to have a, be, being, you know, be, you can be thankful without being grateful, though, because being thankful is just being an action of saying thanks. So, um being grateful is like a state of being it's a state of you know it's it's something that's with you all the time opposed to the reactive of just i'm just saying thanks for something so they're um they're two separate things there so it's it's interesting though when people don't really discuss gratitude like you said you don't know if obviously you could say you were thankful for the people you're partying with the good times all the drugs but you weren't thinking you know, you didn't, you didn't have a gratitude lifestyle because the lifestyle of being grateful um, is, it's, it's a little, you know, it, it wouldn't, obviously, again, you can be grateful for drugs, but the lifestyle of being grateful, you appreciate your life to a certain extent where you wouldn't want to almost be killing yourself every night. <laughs> so, right, our, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying somebody can't be grateful in a drug act. I'm totally not saying that. I'm just saying that when you, when you embrace the idea of gratitude and you can make this a whole encumbrance that, you know, it, it becomes, well, you want to be, you want to be health, you want to be healthier so you can be there for your children, you know, or so you can appreciate the holidays. Um, so you can be present and appreciate it. You know, it's about being present, right? Gratitude's all about being present. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I obviously I've drank, I, you know, we, when we go on benders, we could initially start by having a good time, but then it becomes an escape where you don't even know what's going on, right? At that point, you're completely out of the present moment and you're, you know, wherever you are, right? It's uh, so it's it's an escape, you know, being being completely lost on a drug or anything, right? It's like you're 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 escape, you're not in the present moment. So obviously when that hits, it's it's not a grateful state, right? I guess there's my I'm circling around there, you know. Um, what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, I think that, I guess, gratitude is in the, uh, you know, the eye, the eye of the beholder for lack of a better term. But that being said, like, if gratitude is present, then like, I know that some of the drugs I was doing, um, there's no way to be president. Like if you're eating fucking five Xanax bars a day and like drinking a fifth of whiskey and a 30 pack of fucking PBR and blowing Coke and eating fucking 10 Adderalls, there's no way you can be president. There's no way you can feel like you are. Cause I felt like I was, if I could get like the fucking perfect buzz, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm here. This is perfect. Like, and I would, you know, we become our own like chemists and doctors at this point. So it's like, all right, if I can eat four milligrams of Xanax when I wake up at 150 milligrams of Adderall and slam six beers before I get to work, I'm going to be perfect for the day. And it's just like, that's just like delusional. It's crazy. Like, I remember going to, uh, 
it was when I had uh, moved back to Mississippi from Charleston, South Carolina, and and this happened twice actually, and my parents were just like, "Will you please just like try to get help or go see this therapist?" And it was uh, this guy, John Raspberry, Doctor John Raspberry. I don't know if he's a doctor. Anyway, he was uh, he does psychodrama, and I went mm-hmm. in there. And it was the first day I met him, and uh, I was like, "He's like." You know, he knew my parents and he was like, uh, um, you know, so I, I kind of understand you've got a problem or whatever. And I told him, I was like, dude, I've had like 250 milligrams of Oxycontin today and a couple of uh, a bunch of, a bunch of like Valium Rutanix or Klonopin and I'm fine. And he's mm-hmm. just like, and I was thinking to myself, like, this is a good thing. And in hindsight, if I'm eating or however I was ingesting or whatever the oxys are dilated or whatever at that point in mm-hmm. the Xanax and still be like normal that that kind of tolerance is just very indicative of like a serious drug problem. And I did the same thing with uh, like a few weeks before I got court ordered to treatment, which is how I ended up in treatment. A judge made me go cause I got arrested mm-hmm. several times in a small period of time and I was just shown grace essentially and it was like you can go to jail for a year or you can go to rehab and I honestly thought about taking the jail option because that's how sick I was and I didn't want to get sober um but I went into him was like I don't did somebody help. hold on can you can you talk a little more to that did somebody talk you out of it did, did somebody did somebody intervene at that moment and it was like dude you really should go to rehab right now. I mean, what, can you talk a little more of that moment? I'm that's, I mean, it seems like you're just talking now about how insane that was, but what intervenes, like, did somebody intervene at that moment? Well, I sat in jail that night and it was like, okay. Um, at that point, I think my parents had, um, gotten wind that I was in jail and I guess they had called the people that they thought I would call to get me out and were like, don't get him out. We like need to figure out how to get this, get him, uh, a nudge from the judge is what they call it get him court ordered to treatment. So, you know, I spent the mm-hmm. night in jail and was like, okay, I'm going to go in front of the judge and then I'll bond out and I'm going to get out of this charge anyway, because I'm so on top of my shit. And I'd retained this attorney cause I was selling herb and I was like, I, I had it all figured out. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, I went, went in front of the judge or I can't really remember how it happened, uh, but I was pulled into the um, the DA's office who was friends with my parents' attorney. So he had spoken to my parents' attorney and was like, look, you've got a problem. You need to get help. And I'm like, I don't have a problem. This is as I'm sitting there in like shackles and my... Uh, hands are cuffed behind my back and I'm in, you know, jail fatigue. And I'm just like <laughs> insisting I don't have a problem and that everything's fine. But he's like, I'm uh, talking to the judge and we know you have a problem. So here's your options. He's going to give you the maximum sentence for these four minor charges that you got. Um, or you can, um, and that's going to be a year in jail or, or whatever it was, it was close to it or something, something like that. Or, um, you can uh, go to rehab. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I I think my parents were in there at that point. Um, 
it was, and they were at the end of their rope, you know, and I was just like, thought that I'd been set up, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go to rehab thinking that I'm going to leave AMA, which is against medical advice. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to talk to my lawyer and everything's going to be straight. But, you know, I, I went and uh, it became very evident to me really quickly that um, there was no getting out of that court order. <laughs> they were like, if you leave, we're calling the cops <laughs> immediately and they're going to pick you up from the side of the road and you're going to go to jail and you will serve whatever time that the judge thinks. So this was, it was a whole thing for months and months. Mm -hmm. Cause it was like, I was like, so what's the court order? Like, cause I'm, I'm the whole time I'm like thinking in my head, all right, I'll just do the court order and then I'll get out and then I'll be fine. And I'll go back to my life. And so the court order kept dragging out because it was per like your treatment teams, uh, uh, not suggestions or your treatment teams, uh, Anyway, per whatever your treatment team thought you should be doing and treatment team includes your, you know, your therapist, the doctor, the psychiatrist, your counselor and treatment, everybody that's involved in your recovery, essentially. So they were just like, yeah, dude, you need 18, you need 16 to 18 months to be okay. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. holy shit. <laughs> and it's just like, I was not happy for a long time. It was really. I was really ugly to a lot of people that I really loved. Like um, family days went really terribly. My parents came out to California for like a six month family day. And I ended up getting up and leaving and saying all these nasty things to them. And I mean, it, it all took a while to heal from and to recover from, but it, um, it all, it all worked out. It definitely all worked out, but it, it takes a lot of like, it took a lot of me owning a lot of like really nasty behavior and saying some foul, 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 foul things to my mom and dad to the point where they had to like set some boundaries and just block me for a while. Because I mean, the shit that I would say to my mom on the phone is just like stuff that I wouldn't even say to, wouldn't say to anyone at this point in my life. So that's been a practice to, uh, that was a practice to work through that and to like make amends to them and to continue to make what's called like a living amends, which is essentially um, me continuing to do the work so I can stay sober and stay, um, stay happy and stay um, level and um, kind and loving. And it, it, you know, just because I'm sober now doesn't mean that I don't, struggle with things still and doesn't mean I don't get in shitty moods or doesn't mean that I don't fight with my parents sometimes or you know right. argue with the kids or whatever but I've got the the tools now to be aware of it and to quickly own it and to you know make that amends really quick so um, it's a it is a daily practice and will continue to be for the rest of my life and um I'm, I'm really grateful that I even have the opportunity to participate in my own recovery because it's, uh, I am very, very fortunate to be alive. I'm living on borrowed time for sure. You know, speaking of that, you know, that's that, um, you know, you, you're saying you live on borrowed time. I think that, you know, I feel like that's a mindset we should all embrace. And, and I'm only saying that because, 
you know, every no, no day is guaranteed. No, your next heartbeat's not guaranteed. And if we get, if we can come into a place where we go, you know, this is what you're basically saying when you say I'm on borrowed time is like you're. This is special. I have this now, right? Because I, I shouldn't have this. You're basically saying I shouldn't be alive, right? That's basically what you're saying. It's like you shouldn't be alive. And because you get that, you are alive. You can you can do something about it. You can appreciate life, and you can help people with recovery and you could, you know, we could be talking here about sobriety and these are all things that you're getting to do because you have the mentality of going, I'm on borrowed time. This is, this is special. This isn't something I'm throwing away. I'm not going to waste, I'm not going to waste my, my life um, because it's, you know, and I, I've been working a lot with that too in the morning. Just, if you can just wake up and say, I'm grateful for being alive. If you can start with the gratitude and just the sense that you are alive, you're going to have a good, you, it, you're going to at least start out with the keys to have a good day, you know, to be able to tackle um, what's coming. You know, I, 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 I was, you know, so I, I was reading a chat thing this morning. A friend of mine wrote about, you know, basically ups and downs and, you know, good and bad days. And she basically was like, when she said, she said, when, when will it all stop? You know, in the sense of like, when will all this, you know, this bad stuff soft and it, and it made me think. And honestly, the truth of the matter is it's never going to stop. It's just, we can only get better at handling it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because entropy in the world's going to happen and we can't control it and, and bad stuff's going to happen. And obviously we're either going to screw up too, but all we can do as individuals is um, work on ourselves so that we can handle it better. <laughs> yeah. about being that's no. that's it you know and that's in that's in anyone's power so you're talking about sobriety obviously it's in it's in the person's hands to do the best they can at that given moment you know to to if it's if it's calling somebody or if it's going to a meeting or if it's just getting like uh you know your, your friend was talking about having a having a habit and to start your day that allows you to pivot so that you don't get in the place where you're going to do drugs or take a drink, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all about us being better as individuals. It's all about us working on, on us adapting to the world, because I, I do believe that, it, that the world, unfortunately, you're going to feel like the world is completely telling you, you have nothing to be grateful for being grateful. Don't be happy. The world will tell you this all day long. But the amazing thing is with gratitude is that we get a choice, you know, it's it's our choice how we want to perceive things, you know. We could say the sky yeah. is falling, or we could we could look out and say everything is wrong in the world. But at the same time, you know, I'm sitting here with you. I having a great conversation. I love hearing I love hearing you share your stories. I, I know that you're you've got a heart. Your your heart is a, your passion for people, and you and you love your kids, and that you you are somebody there for people, and that we're doing this. And I in in this alone is a hopeful thing. This this is a good thing, you know. And he's and people are doing stuff like this all over the place, you know. Just like you say, you go to your meeting, you know. And it's I love the fact that the organization does twenty four hour meetings around the holidays. That is that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. So it's like you want to think about something to be grateful for. I'm grateful for people that have organizations that are like, look, we know that it's really tough right now, and we're going to be here for the next twenty four hours. We're going to make sure somebody's here just in case somebody needs us. I think it's beautiful. And I love it. Yeah, it, it is. It's great. And, um, you know, what you're what you're saying in my world is called living um, life on life's terms. It's like things are going to come up, but it's a matter of how you respond rather than react. And 
having some tools in place to deal with hardships, to deal with the death in the family, to deal with a breakup, to deal with, um, you know, unfavorable circumstances, to deal with whatever it is without having to um, drink or do drugs, which is what we've been hardwired so long to do. And getting sober is about um, reforming these neural pathways in your brain. So you're hardwired to, instead of like, okay, you're stressed and you're going to grab a drink or you're stressed and you're going to grab a pill. It's now you're stressed and you're going to call your, your person. And again, I'm trying to be really vague about the, you're, you're stressed. You're going to call your right. person. You're stressed. You're going to pause when agitated. You're stressed. You're going to pray. You're stressed. You're going to call another alcoholic. All the things that we're taught while um, our brains are being reprogrammed essentially um, because we spent so long um, going straight to the drink or straight to the drug to deal with anything that comes up. It's like we drink because we're celebrating. We drink because something bad happened. Right. You know, for, it's like pills, 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 or powders, 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 or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it's just really about reforming those neural pathways and learning how to um, deal with triggers and learning how to communicate what's going on um, in your, in this overactive brain that we have as drug addicts and alcoholics. And that's not even limited to drug addicts and alcoholics. I, I completely understand that um, obsessive thought patterns are not limited to people that suffer from the disease, but uh, we as alcoholics oh, yeah. we, um, certainly do. So it's like, you know, go, circling back around to the holidays, it's like, make sure you have a support system in place. Make sure you've, uh, if you're right. traveling, like there's certain apps that you can use that, excuse me, and most people are um, familiar with this, but it's like, look to see when the meetings are happening or if they're online and then like have the, ha- you know, be aware of the links that you need to use, like really prepare to have the support in place for when and if you're triggered. You may get through the holidays and everything might go fine. I mean, that's, I'm going to, I don't want to say that's just as possible because that's, I don't think that's the case, but that could be me being a little bit uh, jaded in my worldview. But um, yeah, it's just the, the more you can just set yourself up for success, meaning get the support system in place, uh, have people that have two or three men or women that, you know, you can call at any time if you're, uh, you know, feeling squirrely and, you know, or you're having cravings, um, really, um, try to pause when agitated and do this, the contrary action I was talking about earlier. So if it's like, if, you know, if you're thinking the best idea is to fight with your dad about something like, try to approach that situation differently and like try to connect with him on, um, on a level rather than just like bitching about like dumb shit, you know, because I'm certainly guilty of still, um, arguing with my family and, uh, um, things like that. My mom is, my mom is chiming in again on this. It's uh, like your mom. Yes, yes, yes. Um, let's see. Trisha Cockrell, who is my lovely mother, says, my favorite newly discovered quote, normal day. Let me be aware of the treasure you are. Let me learn from you, love you, bless you before you depart. 
let me not pass you by in the quest of some rare and perfect tomorrow. And that is a quote from Mary Jean Iron. And mm -hmm. that's cool because it's about presence and um, really about being gr grateful and being present, which are synonymous, as we know. Um, yeah. And I really, I really am grateful that my mom's actually participating and chiming in. That's really awesome. And I'm really excited to see you tomorrow, mom. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, everything's, everything's good. It's just until it isn't, you know, it's, uh, and it's, it can creep up. We can, you know, there's people that have long-term sobriety that are relapsing all the time. And, you know, the first thing they talk about is like, they quit going to their 12 step meetings and, um, right. So it's just, for me, it's, that's one of the most important elements. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm really grateful to even have the, the knowledge and the awareness to be able to even talk about this stuff, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it's beautiful, man. I think it's, it's a good, you're, you're making such good points of, uh, you know, having a plan is where it's at, you know, having a plan, what's going to happen if, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's such a cliche, but it's like, it's like with, you know, if you're on a basketball team, what if this guy blocks you here? What do we do then? You know, like what's, what's the game plan? So around the holidays, you know, people need game plans. They need to, you, you need to start gamifying your life, especially around the holidays, you know, make it, make it, you know, put it, put a game plan together. Go, well, if I start feeling this way, I'm going to call this person. If I start feeling this way, I'm going to do this. Like you said, there's, there's these different, um, you have activities you can do. You just have to gamify it, you know, if it's writing it down on a list or getting a dry erase board, or like you said, there's so many, there's probably, there's more than enough uh, outlets for people. So choose, just make a decision. Because <laughs> you know, just make a decision, go, this is, this is my game plan. I'm gonna, you know, I got three people I can call, you know? So you got three to try that dinner. If you're, if you're gonna be in a city, you'll go, okay, I know there's a meeting coming up. Or, um, you know, I, you know I, I liked how you spoke about, you know, you're saying, if you're with your dad, if you know you're gonna be around somebody, you're arguing, if you, for example, if you know you're going to be around somebody you might argue with, um, you can you can prepare for that, and just make a decision going in. Go, whatever you just go today. You just tell yourself today, I'm just not going to argue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the amazing thing about an argument is it takes two people. It takes two. <laughs> you you if one person decides they're not going to argue like you can't have it happen like it just stops and obviously that's not an easy thing to do but if you game it right you could just say normally this day this is what happens right and i'm gonna today i'm just gonna i'm gonna not gonna let it you know i'm gonna i'm not gonna play you know um and whoever it is when that happens it's a new reaction you know because you're coming in very passively because it's going to come up right you're going to feel it you're going to want to react but you've already made a decision. The cool thing is you've already gamified it. You said, I'm not going to let this get to me today. Now, maybe next time, but I've decided right now, I'm stepping into this. I'm going to hold the reins. Um, and and we're going to have a different outcome. Because you're going to have a different outcome then. So Yeah, and I think um, to the, the, that kind of is a nice segue into what I wanted to touch on before we wrap this up. But um, yes. I think that if you can have these boundaries with your family and friends and if things start to get heated and if you're able to just step back and be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to like, I need to remove myself from this situation or this conversation and we can revisit right. it. But 
it's, you know, if you see it escalating, there's nothing wrong with protecting your space and protecting your energy um, and removing yourself from a stressful conversation or, you know, setting a really healthy, setting a healthy boundary with your family or your friends or whoever the, it may be escalating with and just saying something like, okay, I'm, I'm really not comfortable right now continuing this conversation the way it's going. Um, if we want to revisit it when we're not so angry or worked up, I'm open to that, but let's table it right. for now and um, really, uh, you know, just remove yourself from the situation. And I mean, sometimes you're just going to, you can't remove yourself because your impulse kicks in and you're just going to like fire back. But if you are, right. if you're practicing that awareness, um, you can at some point, and this happens to me sometimes, like I'll have to like, if it's escalating, like, mid sentence or something i'm like okay this is i shouldn't have i shouldn't have said that that wasn't kind i apologize but I, I i don't think that this conversation is productive right now so let's uh continue it later and there's nothing wrong with that at all right it's, take, it's taking a pause yeah it's always yeah. it's a, can, if you somebody want if you want to take a pause yeah just take a like you said a lot of honesty openness and just we're gonna, I'm gonna take a pause. Maybe we're really, you know, yeah. That's that's my that's self awareness. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's community. You're being community. You're communicating. I think again, setting up that game plan, right? So your game plan would be, like you said, talk to your relatives or whoever you're gonna be with, so that, like you, you know what I mean? Like again, you're this communication, setting up the game plan. This might happen, so I'm gonna go ahead and speak to this right now, so that we've already addressed it, right? So if it occurs. We've already, you know, it'll be easier, right? It's a, it's a transition. Yeah, I think I think that's a brilliant thing, man. And what I was what I was talking about earlier, and what um, a lot of like, if you're in early recovery and you're still in either treatment or sober living or working with someone like a case manager, what they'll have you do, and what they had me do early on, and what I would if a sponsee asked me, it's just to like formulate a, a relapse prevention plan, which is it encompasses everything that we talked about earlier, which is just like, okay, who are you going to call? If something comes up, how are you going to handle it? Um, do you have somewhere where you can kind of retreat to if things get um, too, too hairy? Can you, like, if it gets really bad, can you get to an airport to get out of town? Like, mm. just covering, like, kind of covering some of the potential scenarios if you are super triggered or, you know, situations to avoid that might be triggering. Like, if you think that your friends are going to be blowing cocaine all night. Maybe you're not equipped well enough, not to say that anyone's equipped well enough to be around a bunch of people doing blow, but it happens. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just like how to map out the best um, chance for you to succeed during the holidays relapse right. prevention plan and there there's templates for those so um it would be a matter of just like reaching out to someone you know that either works in the industry or you could probably google it honestly and it would give you point by point like things to consider and like some phone numbers to write down or no one writes down phone numbers anymore some numbers to put in your phone or whatever the case may be it's just a, it's a matter of like having a system in place being prepared and being able to act if need be to protect your sobriety at all costs really because if you don't everything's gonna go to shit anyway 
Right, right, right. And, you know, that's something maybe we could, after you get off here, you could send me or we could just post in the uh, comment section, um, either if there's a PDF about that or a video you'd recommend that's speaking to that prevention, you know, that uh, prevention there. I think that's a, I think if somebody was listening to that and they wanted to check that out, that would be awesome if it was kind of sitting here for them, make it, make it easy for them, right? Yeah, and most people that are, uh, most people that will have chimed in have my number and I communicate with regularly and um, okay. they, they know they can always reach out to me and we can chat or text and I'll send them any kind of resources that I have. So it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really open with that kind of thing and most people are very aware of it. So, yep. I just, uh, That's excellent, man. It looks like your friend you know, Max is saying he's he appreciates your tips going into his first sober December. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you too, Bertie. And I love you, man. And I think Evan is Evan's chiming oh, in now. Another friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, Evan, it's I been love great, you. man. Uh, look, Evan and Max were roommates for a while. So that's that that's really cute that you guys are commenting one after another. Anyway, uh, I don't have too much more to say. If you want to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, I, um, I just want to say thanks, man. I think this is a, you know, um, this is, it was a great, great episode just to talk about sobriety and the holidays and cause it is something it's, it is a big deal and it's nice that you could share some personal stories and give me some insight into that. And, um, I really appreciate our time today and I'm glad we got to do this. Um, it's, 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 it's so nice to do this. I've been working on my book most of the day and, and, uh, and the problem with formatting and doing everything yourself. So this was like, I was looking forward to this cause it wasn't going to be like difficult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I, I always have I a good time really with you. Well. So thank you. I, th I think it's, uh, yeah. I was like, Oh, we don't have a guest tonight. Maybe it will, maybe the flow will be a little off, but I think the, I thought the flow was great tonight. So, I'm, I appreciate you and um, your time and all the efforts you put into this. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, I'll wrap it up here. So uh, just so I know, this is our fourth gratitude and sobriety episode. Um, so they're all sitting on gratitude spaces videos there. Um, they're also, if you go to any podcasting uh, app, you will find it. Gratitude space radio. You will see that three of them are up there and Curtis's original um interviews up there too so uh if you're digging this there's other stuff you can listen to that's very uh accessible at your fingertips but um i'm uh, i'm chris with curtis we're just reminding you guys to uh you know go out there and put a game plan together we want you to have a excellent holiday the holidays can be wonderful uh with a little bit of preparation and mindset um so you know going into this coming week just keep in mind that uh that is possible even if you don't think it is uh, with a little, with some different, you know, with some different mindsets and some uh, some game plans, um, you can have a uh, have a great Thanksgiving. So, if you are if you are in a position where you get to sit down with family members or people that you love on Thanksgiving and have a meal, that is a really right there. You can just say without any of the drama, you go, "I'm grateful for this," because that is not a given, and there are a lot of people that do not have that. So. Um, I'm very grateful that I get to do, I'm going to be with my father and my, uh, my soon to be, actually I'll be married one day on Thanksgiving. So this day before, so on Thanksgiving, yeah, I'm very grateful. I'll be with my wife and my father. It's going to be excellent. So I'm, um, I'm so fortunate. So 
I know I'm rambling now. So Curtis, thanks a lot, man. And we'll, we'll be back with you guys in two weeks uh, for sure. That's at least that's, that's the game plan next week. This time's going to be uh, right in the middle of everything, but uh, we'll, we'll ideally see you guys in a couple weeks. So thanks for staying with us. And um, Chris with uh, Curtis is saying, uh, Ron, everybody stay grateful. Thank you guys so much. Have a good holiday and reach out if you need. This is an open call to anyone that has a gratitude story or practice that they'd like to share. Just email me at the address hello at gratitudespace.com. That link will be in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. You could look at this as a way of showing me a little gratitude. Just a friendly suggestion. Thank you for tuning in to Gratitude Space Radio and we're out.